right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Alright? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. This is March. We made it to March. Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. This is March. We have arrived. The month of March, where dreams can come true, hearts can be broken, and much more. And KU has a game tomorrow against Baylor, which we are going to talk about on today's show. Coming up later this hour, we're going to get to some Parker Brown audio. We spoke with the media yesterday. We are from Parker Brown. Graham Dorn, Graham Dorn Bracketology, is going to join the show coming up around 3.40 to break down... The latest with the NCAA tournament bracket and more, and talk some KU as well. In the four o'clock hour, we're going to get to some audio. Uh, Travis Goff and Lance Leipold spoke quite a bit yesterday uh, about KU football, contracts, everything. We're going to get to some of that today. Probably get to more of it on Monday because they both spoke for quite some time. So we're going to get to part of what Travis Goff said, and then part of what Lance Leipold said in the four o'clock hour, and then probably get to everything else they said on. Uh, Monday show kind of breaking down and reacting to everything that they that they said because it's, it's a lot. There's a lot to take in. Uh, also, the KU women have a big game coming up tomorrow as well, tomorrow afternoon, and we'll talk about that game a little bit in the four o'clock hour as they are. It'll be the senior day for the KU women tomorrow against Oklahoma. We'll dive deeper into that game a little bit in the four o'clock hour. In the five o'clock hour, we'll get to KU game picks with more discussion of KU and Baylor, and also Bill Self. We'll have some audio from him after he spoke with the media ahead of the Baylor game yesterday afternoon. RCSD, as always, is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. And off the top here, Kansas on the road in Waco taking on Baylor. That game tomorrow. You'll be able to hear it right here on KLWN with pregame coverage starting at 1030 for a 12 o'clock tip between the Jayhawks and the Bears. Uh, something we didn't I didn't really talk about too much, but you know, you go back through the course of the season and in previous years of the Big Twelve, it was okay, you knew ahead of time you're gonna be seeing teams twice and you know whatnot. And for KU, obviously they're coming off a week in which they play two teams that they're not gonna see again in the regular season, Texas and BYU. Well now they have Baylor, Kansas State, and Houston left on the schedule, all three teams that they saw earlier in the season. And it starts tomorrow against the Baylor Bears. You rewind back to February 10th, about three weeks ago, Kansas survives against B- against uh, Baylor 64-61 to over the Bears at Allen Fieldhouse. And I think that game, most notably, is remembered for how it ended, in which uh, you had some miscues from KU on defense, particularly Nick Timberlake, that resulted in Baylor getting some open looks from three to potentially tie the game late. And they couldn't hit. Kansas hangs on. 64-61. That was the win that they got back on February 10th. 
against Kansas. Uh, now, if you go back and you remember that game, KU, they got out to a pretty big early lead in the game. They led by 13 in the first half. Baylor fought back, cut it to six at the halftime break, and in the second half, it was much more of a back-and-forth game. This was KU's second game without playing without uh, Kevin McCuller. They had played without him uh, against Oklahoma State, and then he played in the Houston game and the Kansas State game, and then so this was their second game without him, I, I believe. So uh, their first game at home, and Nick Timberlake got the start. Timberlake in this particular game only had eight points. Did hit two threes, though, in 30 minutes. Kansas only played seven players in this game. Uh, you had Jamar McDowell, who was sick at the time. So the eight-man rotation that they had been that they have been utilizing over these past couple of games in the BYU and Texas game, using that platoon-style rotation, that did they obviously didn't do that at the time uh, with no Jamar McDowell. So it was Marco Jackson primarily off the bench and Parker Brown as well. In the game, Kansas got double-digit points from the other four starters. K.J. Adams had 13 on 6 of 7 from the floor. Hunter Dickinson went 7 of 19 from the floor for 15 points. Dewan Harris, 14 points. Kansas went 5 of 21 from 3. The big difference in the game when these two teams met previously was the 21 turnovers by Baylor. They were sloppy really throughout the game. 21 points, or 21 turnovers, I should say 17 points off those turnovers by Kansas. So just eight turnovers by the Jayhawks in the game. That was one of the big differences. Uh, Baylor was also without Langston Love, and it would seem as though they are going to be without him again tomorrow. It's a bit unclear. Uh, just just as just when these two teams met back in on February 10th, it's kind of a little bit of deja vu. Where it's a similar situation with Kansas. Kevin McCuller seemingly might not play, although Bill Self was more optimistic about that yesterday. And for Baylor, same situation with Langston Love. It seems unclear as to whether or not he's going to play. So Langston Love, since February 6th, he's only played in one game. It was against Baylor on February 20th, and he played in 14 minutes uh, and only attempted two shots in the game. So it would seem as though he is not going to play. I would, I, I think that's a, a fairly safe assumption for, for this game. So... Baylor will be, will be without him again, and he's he's a double digit scorer. He's a guy that largely comes off the bench for them, uh, and is kind of their sixth man off the bench, but would seemingly be unavailable for this game coming up tomorrow against Kansas. So the big takeaways going back to the first meeting was the turnovers, definitely, and on top of that, Eves Misi demonstrated that he's probably going to be a bit of an issue. 21 points in the game for Baylor. Uh, and Baylor has now developed this kind of one-two punch of freshman players with Misi at the center position and Jacoby Walter. Baylor's coming off of a win against TCU in which they kind of took over in the second half on the road against TCU. And in large part, that was because of Ease Misi and Jacoby Walter. They both end up with 15 points, or they both, have, both end up with 16 points in the game. And uh, Misi... Had a, had a nice game as well, so they that kind of one two punch. Misi, by the way, that game against that game against Kansas really kind of set him going on a on this big stretch. You know, earlier in the season he'd been putting up double digits pretty re, pretty reliably for Baylor, and then he went into kind of a cold stretch near the start of conference play where he didn't really score as much. 
And after that uh, game against KU, which he scored 21, he's kind of been back to his old ways of putting up 12, 13 points per game and, and being pretty dominant in a lot of ways. And he averages 11 points per game right now. The only game he's had over the stretch was against Houston. He struggled, only scored two points against Houston. But against TCU, he was effective. And the biggest thing is he's been really, really efficient as well. Six of nine against TCU, five of six going back to their game against BYU, five of five from the floor against West Virginia, five of nine from the floor against Oklahoma, six of nine against Kansas. So he's a very, very effective, efficient player. And he gave Kansas some problems in their first matchup, uh, scoring those 21 points. Baylor also didn't particularly shoot the ball well from three, and that was a big talking point uh, going into that game is that Baylor on the year has been a pretty good three-point shooting team. They are currently still number two in the country in three-point shooting at 40% overall. Now, in conference only, that number drops down to just over 35%, so they haven't been as good in, in conference play. That number boosted, I think, quite a bit by some of their non-conference numbers, but they still have the number one overall effective offense in the Big 12, and seemingly the only thing that's really kind of hindered them has been the turnovers. They are 10th in the Big 12 in turnover percentage and conference-only play, and 10th in, in giving up steals in terms of allowing teams to get steals off of them in conference play as well. So that's really been the only thing that slowed them down. Otherwise, they are a, a very effective offensive team that can score a lot of points, and they've got some dangerous weapons, right? Ease Misi, Jacoby Walter, uh, Jalen Bridges, Jaden Nunn. Uh, Ray J. Dennis has, has, has turned into a nice player as well, the transfer from Toledo. So their their starting five is, is pretty dangerous. And Kansas, again, will have to be wary of, of guarding against a team like this, and that's probably going to be a, a, a significant factor in this game. Against uh against Baylor going down to Waco, so that's kind of my biggest concern, I guess, at this point. Is obviously Kansas has struggled on the road this season in a number of games, but their last road game was against Oklahoma on February seventeenth, and they won that one. And the question becomes, how do they respond after that loss to BYU? Right? How do you respond? How do you bounce back? How do you sort of recoup from a loss like that and recognize, listen, the Big 12 title is pretty much out of out of the conversation at this point. But you've still got a lot to play for in terms of your NCAA tournament seeding, and you've still got a lot to play for in terms of your Big 12 tournament seeding. And the Big 12, with the expansion of the tournament, it's a little bit different now. If you're in the top four, you get a double bye straight into the quarterfinal round on Thursday. So when you look at the tournament schedule for the conference tournament, if you again, if you are if you are in the top four seeds, you're straight through to the quarterfinals and you don't have to play in those in any games earlier in the week. So if you're in the bottom four, you gotta play on Tuesday and good luck. If you're eleven, twelve, thirteen, or fourteen seed. You gotta you gotta play on Tuesday. But then again, Wednesday, it's the five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds all have to play. So basically, if you can get to Thursday, you'd only have to win at that point three games the quarterfinal game, semifinal, and the championship game, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, versus having to play an extra game on Wednesday. 
And I think we can all agree that this Kansas team, the last thing they need is to play an extra game, is to play more games. Because you want to maintain health as best you can with guys like you know Kevin McCuller, who, again, his status seemingly is unclear for this game tomorrow. And you want to make sure that you've got guys with the freshest legs as you get ready for the NCAA tournament. So if you're Kansas, I can guarantee you don't want to play on Wednesday. Well, guess what? Right now, if you're Kansas, you are sitting at 9-6 and six in the Big 12, tied with Baylor. Because of the win against Baylor, you have, you're ahead of them. So you're in third, but Baylor's in fourth, both at 9-6. and six. So They think, okay, you're in third, you lose to Baylor, you drop down to fourth. Well, here's where the bigger problem comes in. Kansas and Baylor are both sitting at 9-6. and six. You then have three teams at 8-7 and seven, right behind them. And then you have three more teams at 7-8 and eight with three games to go. So in a worst-case scenario, if you're Kansas and you lose two out of these next three, which on the road at Baylor, on the road at Houston, plus the game against Kansas State at home, it's not that out of the realm of possibility that you lose two out of these next three. You could be talking about going from a top-four seed to literally dropping to like seven or eight, depending on tiebreakers. And that could be disastrous for KU, both from the Big 12 tournament standpoint and also, I mean, going into the NCAA tournament. We'll talk more about this with Graham Dorn about kind of what he thinks maybe the the best case and worst case scenarios are for KU going forward here with these last three games. But the point being, the winner of this game is going to be in a very good position to secure a top four seed more than likely in the Big 12 to end to end the regular season, finish top four in the standings. Because the winner obviously would go to 10 and 6, and you would essentially be two games ahead of, or a lot of these other teams, then you would, you know, you'd be two games up basically on a lot of these other teams probably. And from the Kansas perspective, a sweep, a season sweep of Baylor also would, I think, not be insignificant either. So there's still a lot on the line and certainly a lot to play for for Kansas down the stretch here. And it starts with this game in, in Waco. So I, I'm going to operate under the assumption that Kevin McCullough is not going to play. I think that's a safe assumption to have right now. I think it seems like maybe he could be back for the K-State game at home. It's a, a bit unclear. But if you assume that, that that's going to be the case, then you say, okay, you've got to roll with the same guys you've got. you got to roll with that three-man, probably platoon-style rotation. And... Baylor, with how guard-heavy they are, this is a situation where maybe that platoon style is a little bit more effective. Baylor's not a particularly big guard team either, which is what kind of jumps out to me. I mean, they, you know, they've got guys that aren't massive in terms of size, which, again, when you look at the rotation, I mean, you know, you look at Jaden Nunn at 6'4", Walter at 6'5", Ray J. Dennis at 6-2. Langston Love is probably not going to play. I mean, that that's kind of their main guys. They do have Jalen Bridges, which which could cause some problems. Plus, obviously, he's Misi, but 
Yeah, so I don't know. I'll be curious to see how much that rotate. It, I'm a, I think it's safe to assume that rotation is going to be used to start the game. Depending, assuming there's no real foul trouble for KU and and nothing from that standpoint. But yeah, man, this game is is definitely very important for for, for KU because you do not want to be slipping down the stretch here and jeopardizing a top being in the top four, top five, or even top six of the Big Twelve at this point. And beyond that, jeopardizing being a you know a, a two or three or four seed. I thought I thought Brian Haney, you know, his commentary was pretty good yesterday on the show, in which he kind of said, you know, if you're a four seed, that means you're more than likely gonna if you make it to the second weekend, you're gonna be running into a one seed in the Sweet 16. So if you can avoid that, if you can stay on the two or three line, you'd be uh, in better shape if you can make it that far. And obviously, I think there are some questions about KU making it that far at this point. And it, it does, in some ways, hinge on Kevin McCuller, whether or not he can come back. It seems like he might not be able to. One thing I did want to get to as well here, uh, Jalen Wilson, it was announced today, has uh, been converted to a contract for the Brooklyn Nets. Pretty cool stuff there. Got a three-year deal, according to Shams, so uh, some cool a cool story there from Jalen Wilson, and he's been playing really, really well at the NBA level. This is from Shams earlier this afternoon. The Brooklyn Nets are converting two-way forward Jalen Wilson to a new three-year NBA contract, and uh, so that's a pretty cool pretty cool story there, and really happy to see Jalen Wilson have some success and be rewarded for that success as well. So pretty cool stuff there. Did want to point that out. All right, we're going to get to some audio from... Parker Brown coming up on the other side and coming up in about uh, a little less than 20 minutes. Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn Bracketology is going to join the show as well to talk more about KU and the bracket at large. As listen, I don't mean to alarm anybody, but we are we are in March. We are in March now, so buckle up because. As you guys know, anything can happen in March, man. Anything can happen in March. So it should be, hopefully, a good time. I guess we'll see with, I know for KU fans, we'll see with KU. And it starts tomorrow against Baylor. We'll talk more about Baylor coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. You'll be able to hear that game, KU and Baylor, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, 10.30 a.m. pregame. Parker Brown audio next. Graham Dorn coming up later on this hour. We'll get to some more KU football audio in the 4 o'clock hour as well. So plenty more to come here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and on Fridays we are joined by bracketologist Graham Doran from Graham Doran Bracketology. You can check out his work online on social media at Graham Doran Bracketology and find him on YouTube as well. And uh, Graham, you're going to be part of a special mock committee coming up this afternoon. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and what excites you maybe most about this opportunity. Well, I'm excited to be in Omaha and be a part of this 2024 Mock Selection Committee. Uh, it's going to be a really great group of people, uh, Dave Omen, uh, Rocco Miller, Shelby Mast, Tim Kruger, and uh, none other than Carrie Miller, who I do the Unnamed Bracketology podcast with. Uh, we're, we're just really excited to, to put together a bracket and really break down seed line by seed line, discussing each and every team 
that we think is worthy of in consideration for the NCAA tournament bracket right now. Uh, so it's going to be really fascinating. Uh, we'll try to post out online. Uh, some of the times we're talking about different teams. So if somebody just wanted to hear about Kansas, for example, uh, we could break out when we're talking about the Jayhawks and just really looking forward to uh, getting together with these guys and, and breaking down uh, where these teams are. Yeah, what are some of the few teams that you personally are most excited to maybe have those conversations about uh, on the seed line, whether it's maybe a bubble team or a team like a Kansas who maybe is fighting for a two, three, whatever seed? What are a few teams that you're most excited to to, uh, talk about? Well, I think the middle of the Big 12 will be really fascinating when you've got TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Texas. Those sorts of teams, I think, are all solidly in the bracket right now. Maybe not locks to be in the tournament field, but solidly in the bracket. It'll be really interesting to see how uh, the group ends up organizing those teams. Uh, You mentioned Kansas as well. I think the Jayhawks are a fascinating team to seed right now. Uh, if, If I were to just rate their resume, I think Kansas is eighth overall. That's where I would put them uh, based on what resume they've accomplished to this point. But with the Kevin McCuller injury, I think the the committee could factor that in and and probably should factor that in. Uh, So depending on where Kevin McCuller uh, is, you know, two weeks from now, I think that could have a serious impact on where the Jayhawks are seated. Yeah, I kind of want to look at Kansas here specifically as you brought them up and, and maybe sort of a best worst case for KU at this point down the stretch. You know, they've got two tough road games coming up still left in the season against Baylor and Houston. Let's say they're able to go 3-0 down the regular season. They beat Baylor, they beat Kansas State at home, they beat Houston, and maybe they make it to the semifinal or even the final of the Big 12 tournament. At that point, where do you think this team could be seeded potentially? Do you think they would be locked into a two seed? Are we talking, is, is one seed out of the question for KU right now? Where do you think they could be in, the, in sort of that best case scenario? In that best-case scenario, I think Kansas would probably be a number one seat. Uh, if they had a sweep of Houston, a win over UConn, a neutral court win over Tennessee, and a sweep of Baylor, yeah, I think we're talking about a number one seat. It's just uh, that path is going to be really difficult to get there. Uh, so if the Jayhawks were to be uh, fortuitous enough and, and play well enough to end the season uh, 3-0 and uh, during the regular season and, and make the semifinals or the finals of the Big 12 tournament, I think that probably would be enough a number one seed because they'd have to do so much great work to get there on the flip side let's say things maybe kind of fall off for kansas a little bit here maybe they go and they lose at baylor they lose at houston maybe they don't even get a win in the big 12 tournament they only just get one win in the first round where what where how far do you think this team could fall on the seed line are we talking four could they drop even lower to a five seed potentially which bill self has never been lower than a four in his career at ku where do you see things going that direction if ku maybe struggles here down the stretch Well, you know, we just talked about all the fantastic wins Kansas has so far this season. I just can't see the Jayhawks being worse than a four seed, even if uh, they end up performing poorly down the stretch. They just have too many quality wins, Uh, even considering the Kevin McCuller injury. I just can't imagine worse than a four seed uh, based on the the very real and seriously accomplished uh, season they've had so far. Uh, but I could definitely see the Jayhawks landing a four seed in that scenario. I think they'd probably still have a three seed quality resume, but at that point, uh, I don't think they'd get any benefit of the doubt if they faltered down the stretch and we don't have a, he- a healthy Kevin McCuller here to end the season. Yeah, and I wonder if sort of the what have you done for me lately mentality would factor in there at all, right? For a Kansas team that maybe doesn't come into the tournament in a strong way. Would that, I mean, does that matter at all, do you think, if a team is maybe either struggling or maybe has racked up a few wins right at the end of the season? Does that really, could that really impact maybe not like a whole seed line, but maybe like one positioning of on the seeds if, if that's a situation like that? 
Yeah, I think uh, ultimately the committee would tell you that the last 12 games of the season are no longer a consideration as an official criteria. But each and every committee member is allowed to vote however they'd like, and they can use whatever information they see fit. And I do think finishing the season strongly or finishing it poorly uh, is something that various committee members would take into consideration. I think we saw it a couple years ago uh, in 2022 with Xavier not making the NCAA tournament, even though they still had a, a tournament quality resume. They just performed so poorly down the stretch. I think that cost them a bit. And I, I do think the way Kansas is, uh, finishes this season will have an effect on where the Jayhawks end up seated. When you look at this past week of games, last weekend and then this week, which games to you maybe impacted the bracket the most, the results of the games impacted the, the bracket the most right now? Well, I think the Kansas-BYU game would be top of the list uh, for a couple of different reasons. For the Jayhawks, it moved them down to my ninth overall seed, so my top three seed with Iowa State actually moving past Kansas to become the last number two seed. So I think that was important for laying out the entire bracket. Uh, the other part of it is BYU. Not only did BYU lock up an NCAA tournament bid, but they went from looking at maybe like a seven seed to probably more of a four or five seed when Selection Sunday rolls around. And in the Big 12, you, you kind of mentioned it with the Big 12 specifically, there's a lot of those teams that are in sort of that gray area right now where you look at the resume and you think, man, they've got some good wins, but maybe the, the, the record's not there or something uh, what, who are the Big 12 teams at this point that you keep an eye on in terms of who maybe are in but could fall out or who maybe are on the outside but could could potentially play their way in? Yeah, earlier uh, we had talked about TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma all being in for now and pr pretty comfortably into the field at this point. But none of those teams are safe. Uh, they will have to play well down the stretch to ensure a bid. I think Texas is actually in the best position of all of those teams for a tournament bid. And the reason why I say that is they've gotten it done on the road. They have four high-quality road wins. So I think Texas is probably in the best position of that group. But none of them are safe. And as far as being out of the field, Kansas State is making a really strong late run to join the tournament field. Right now they are out of the bracket. But a win in Allen Fieldhouse, perhaps, could change all of that. Yeah, a place they haven't won since, I think, 2005 or six, maybe. But uh, you're right, could, could be a huge win for them, certainly. Uh, when, when you look at the number one overall seed right now, seems like maybe Houston might be. I know you, you mentioned, we talked about it with Purdue a couple weeks ago, but then and you've got UConn. But do you think it's Houston right now that maybe is in the driver's seat for that spot? Yeah, I think Purdue is still overall number one right now. But I do think Houston has a better argument than maybe they're getting credit for. Something that I think separates Houston from Purdue right now in a positive way is Houston has really good road wins. Uh, we saw... They beat Baylor on the road in Waco recently, and they, they just have top-end road wins in a way that Purdue doesn't. If you look at Purdue's best wins, they're on neutral courts, and I think that could end up being determinative if Houston finishes the season strongly and perhaps Purdue loses one more. Uh, but I think the Purdue-Houston uh, debate is more interesting to me than the Houston versus UConn debate for two and three overall because I do think there's some separation between Houston and UConn for two and three overall. A conference right now that also kind of interests me is the ACC. Feels like it's it's maybe a, a down year for them. I don't know how many teams they have as locks in the tournament. They've got some teams that are that are on the bubble. A team like Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, even, but they got the win against Duke. When you try to parse out what the ACC, where do you see teams that maybe are locked in and versus teams that are trying to fight for those bubble spots? 
Yeah, I think you can go ahead and say that three different teams in the ACC are total and complete locks. North Carolina's fighting for a one seed. Duke is trying to get up to a two-line, hold a three seed. And then I think Clemson is probably looking to try to be a four or a five seed. Uh, That would be the goal at this point for them. All of those teams are in the tournament. Where it gets interesting is when you get down to Virginia. Uh, We know their offense has struggled significantly down the stretch. I think Virginia is in the field for the time being, but they're not comfortably in the field. So they're still on the bubble. Wake Forest is right on that cut line of whether they should be in the tournament or not. They're going to be a fascinating test case down the stretch. They have terrific metrics. They have that win over Duke, but they also have not been winning enough for the quality of schedule they've played. So I think Wake Forest is right on the center of that cut line for the bubble. And then we have a couple other teams that are kind of hanging out there. I think Purdue uh, Pitt is somewhat in the conversation, but watch Syracuse. They have a terrible net rating, but at the same time, Syracuse has very good resume metrics. They have that win over North Carolina. They have a golden opportunity at Clemson to potentially make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you you mentioned that net rating as we get down the stretch here. How much, how much is that going to really factor in, you think, when you think about the net? I mean, I know we've talked about how it's kind of utilized more as a way of being sort of a, a measure of quad one, quad two, but you're right. For some of those bubble teams maybe that, that have one particular area, whether it's net, strength of schedule, whatever, that's really not great, how much, how much do those different things factor in overall? I think they're all factors, and you're right. When you say factor, I think that's the best way to think of it. Nothing by itself is going to be determinative. It's all going to be put into the context of a team's overall profile. I think Syracuse's net rating is concerning because it indicates they've been blown out on occasion, and usually when they win, they're not winning by very much. So I think that is a consideration, but ultimately I believe the committee will be putting a team into the field if they have the right wins. And if Syracuse can win their final two games, which includes the win at Clemson, that might be enough to get them into the field despite a very bad net rating. I don't think a bad net rating will be something that totally keeps the team out of the field. Just like I don't think a bad strength of schedule would be something that totally keeps the team out of the field either. Obviously we are into March now, and that means we're going to be starting to have conference tournaments. When you look at some of the smaller conferences, some of maybe the one big leagues, are there any conferences that you're keeping an eye on for possibly where it could be a situation of, of bid stealing that could really, really hurt some of these uh, conversations we have with like the ACC and whatnot? Well, is there a conference or two maybe we're keeping an eye on saying, hey, you know, there could be a chance for a bid steal here if somebody doesn't win their league or, or if things go a different way? What, what do you think of those smaller conferences right now? Uh, unfortunately for a lot of the mid-majors that have been on the bubble, it has not been going well over the last month or so. So my attention's really turned to three leagues. Uh, One of them is the Atlantic 10, where Dayton is sure to get an NCAA tournament bid. There's a good chance Dayton will not win the Atlantic 10 tournament. That would take one bid away. Uh, Look at the American. Uh, Florida Atlantic seems like they're probably headed for an NCAA tournament bid. Certainly they will be if they beat Memphis at home. But I could see the American going to a team like South Florida or Charlotte or any number of bid stealers there. And then let's look at the Missouri Valley. Arch Madness is always a lot of fun. I don't think Indiana State and Drake are completely out of the tournament picture, especially uh, Indiana State, I think, has a shot at a tournament bid uh, as an at-large. So we could potentially see a two-bid Missouri Valley, although it's much more unlikely than a two-bid Atlantic 10 or two-bid American. Yeah, those would be certainly some conferences to keep an eye on. Going back to Kansas here, with this game against Baylor coming up tomorrow, in your eyes, how significant is this game for Kansas, just in the sense of if they're able to win it, they'll be in good position in terms of possibly being a top four seed in the Big 12 to make sure that they're not playing an extra game in the Big 12 tournament. But then also, I just wonder, is a game like this, you look at the Houston game, 
that KU has coming up is a game like this against Baylor in some ways maybe more important for Kansas because it'll give them that positive momentum and hopefully put them in position. And if they can win it without Kevin McCuller, uh, it would be, be even more impressive. So, th- I don't know. Do you get the sense maybe this game's even more important potentially? Yeah, I think at Baylor is the single most important game that Kansas has left on their schedule. And the reason why is because of the potential to sweep Baylor. Uh, so not only would this be an elite road win that the Jayhawks could lean on and say, hey, not only do we have those wins at home over UConn and Houston and that neutral court win over Tennessee, we've now proven that we can be an elite team on the road. So I think that would do a lot for the Jayhawks resume uh, just by itself. But I also think having a sweep over Baylor would ensure that the Jayhawks remain above Baylor in the final selection by the committee. We're talking with Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn Bracketology. And Graham, can you give the people a little bit about where or how they can watch uh, all today with this mock committee that you got going on in Oral Omaha and a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, if you just go onto YouTube and search for the 2024 mock selection committee, you'll find us. We're going to be here at let it fly. Omaha is the location for this entire event and it's going to be going on throughout the weekend. So just really excited to have people tune in again. That's YouTube and just search 2024 mock selection committee. Perfect. All right, Graham. Well, I know you're going to be pretty busy doing all that, so I'm I'm, I'm grateful we even got got to have some time to talk to you here today. But uh, good luck with the the mock committee, and I'll uh, be excited to talk to you next week about kind of uh, the outcome of everything. So appreciate your time. Thank you, Nick. All right. Once again, that was Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn Bracketology, and as he said, be sure to check out the 2024 mock selection committee that they're going to be doing this weekend out in Omaha. Great work there that they do, and Graham, are very knowledgeable about uh, the bracket and then some, as you could hear a little bit from what he was saying there. Uh, so definitely check that out if you can at the 2024 Mock Selection Committee. Thanks so much to Graham for coming on the show, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to him next week about kind of uh, how things play out with that uh, Mock Selection Committee as we get closer and closer to the NCAA tournament bracket reveal, and we'll have more discussion on that, of course, throughout all next week as we lead into the Big 12 tournament and then into the NCAA tournament as well. One hour down here on the show. Coming up at the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to get to some audio from both Travis Goff and Lance Leipold. Also, KU Women's Basketball has a game tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon against Oklahoma at Allen Fieldhouse. It's a big one for KU, their regular season finale. Talk about that in the 4 o'clock hour. In the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to some more KU Baylor talk, KU game picks. Also hear from Bill Self as he spoke with the media yesterday ahead of KU's matchup against Baylor. All that coming up and more here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Nick Springer from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch services can help you stay loose and limber and clear your mind and help your body. Their total body stretch services are completely customizable. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and breathe deep while they help you through the guided stretches. So if you've been dealing with aches and pains, be sure to check out Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Olathe. Half past four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. We just heard from Travis Scoff a little bit from yesterday. Lance Leipold audio was coming up later on in this hour. More KU basketball, KU Baylor talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also going to hear from Bill Self as well. Also coming up tomorrow, the Kansas women's basketball team has their senior night coming up. Last game of the season for KU at home against Oklahoma. Kansas, after starting the season a bit bumpy, they were sitting at one point at 10-10 and 10 overall. They go on a run here towards the end of January and through February. 
in which they have won now six of their last seven or seven of their last eight actually uh, for KU to get to 17 and 11 overall on the year. They are 10 and seven in Big 12 play, and they will wrap up their season at Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock against Oklahoma. By the way, you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN. Pre-game coverage will start at 3:45 for a four o'clock tip for the KU women. Kansas went to Oklahoma and took on Nor- and took on the Sooners in Norman back towards the end of January, and that was the game for Kansas that kind of sent them down to 10 and 10. They lose against Oklahoma by five, 60 to 55 on the road. That was the kind of the break point for their season for KU as they got to 10 and 10. They then ripped off five consecutive wins before losing to Baylor, but then they've gotten two more wins against Kansas State and UCF uh, here down the stretch towards the end of February, and now they have a chance to bookend their season with a win against Oklahoma that I think would more than likely secure their spot in the NCAA tournament on the women's side. When you look at the latest ESPN women's bracketology, Kansas right now is the first team on the last four in right now, so they would probably so ESPN's bracketology is basically projecting KU to be in a play-in game in the NCAA tournament. If you win this game against Oklahoma, I think if you're Kansas, you will you wouldn't have to play in a play-in game. You would be uh, all the way in the NCAA tournament. And Oklahoma is number one in the Big 12 right now. They are in first place in the Big 12 standings. They're sitting at 15 and two, so they've actually locked up the Big 12 regular season title at 15 and two. Texas is in second at 13 and four. Then you've got a, a jumble of teams at 11 and six. Kansas is at 10 and seven. So a win here for Kansas could also move them up in the standings heading into the Big 12 tournament as well. And to me, this is a, a very important game for KU for the NCAA tournament, as I mentioned, but also it is senior night, and this is a team that has a number of seniors on it, a number of players on it that came back kind of specifically to sort of run it back after winning the WNIT last season. You think about Tyana Jackson. You think about Yvette Mayberry, Holly Kurskeeter, Zakiya Franklin. Like this is These are uh, seniors for KU that really returned to sort of bookend their careers with this run down this with this run this season to try to go for the NCAA tournament and go for a lot more. The expectations I think were certainly a lot higher for KU this season than what they've achieved so far, but they are still on the on the precipice of making the NCAA tournament. And I don't think this is a team that anybody wants to see in the NCAA tournament. When you think about Tyana Jackson, what she can do, and then you throw in Wyvette Mayberry and Holly Kerskeeter as veteran guards, plus Samaya Nichols, who's been a stalwart freshman for KU. And you go back to this game against Oklahoma that KU played back uh, in uh, January, on January 27th, Kansas went on the road and was really right there with the Sooners pretty much the whole game. KU actually had a one-point lead at the half. They led by as much as seven points uh, in the first half as well. And in the second half, it was a very much of a, of a grinded-out type game. And Kansas, and you know, Tyana Jackson ended up only scoring six points, but she had 14 rebounds in the game along with four blocks. It was a big game from Wyvette Mayberry, who had 21 points. And this was one of the games during that stretch where Holly Kurskeeter was maybe not quite 100% as she scored zero points and went 0 of 3 from 3. Kurskeeter seems to be in a much better position now for KU than she was then as she's fully healthy. And uh, she's coming off of an, a game against UCF where she did struggle from 3 and it was 0 of 5, but had, was good against Kansas State. So I think that's noteworthy. And when you look at this Oklahoma team, again, they've got the Big 12 regular season title wrapped up. So the the question may be, what exactly do they have to play for in terms of their NCAA tournament seeding? When you look at the bracket of the latest ESPN's bracketology, I believe they have, they have Oklahoma as a uh, three seed. They got them as a four seed actually right now. So uh, you know Oklahoma could be playing for possible NCAA tournament seeding, 
But they've got the Big 12 locked up. And for Kansas, it's senior night. It's at Allen Fieldhouse. It's going to be an emotional night. You've got a lot of seniors on this roster that came back to run it back for this season. And hopefully they can get a big win because, again, I, I think a win here, regardless of what happens in the Big 12 tournament, may situate Kansas to not only get into the tournament, but maybe even into where they not, they aren't necessarily playing in a first four type game for KU. So it's been a nice run for the Jayhawks here down the stretch, and they have a chance to cap it with a game against Oklahoma and a big win. And again, that game against Oklahoma on the road is kind of what really was a flashpoint of the season for KU when they dropped to 10-10 and 10 because at that point it was, okay, are you going to fold or are you going to fight back and go on a run? Well, Kansas fought back and they've gone on a run here. And a chance to get a big win at home against the Sooners uh, on tomorrow afternoon, which, again, you can hear that game right here on KLWN with a 4 o'clock tip. And I mentioned those seniors that KU was going to be honoring. And on top of that, you've got Samaya Nichols, who has been continues to be an outstanding freshman and I think is, is, is already kind of positioning herself to potentially be somebody who can be a real defining player for KU and KU history. Uh, so we're talking about uh, a lot there as well with Samaya Nichols. But KU has five seniors. I mentioned it's uh, Zakiya Franklin, Tyana Jackson, Holly Kersky, or Wyvette Mayberry, along with Ryan Cobbins, a transfer. And you think about those players. I mean, Tyana Jackson has been incredible for KU. Holly Kerskeeter Lee is the all-time record holder for three-point shots in Kansas history. Uh, Wyvette Mayberry and Sky Franklin have been two excellent players as well over the course of their careers for KU. And I'm sure they'd love nothing more than to kind of go out uh, at Allen Fieldhouse with a big win. And Holly Kerskeeter mentioned after the K-State game that that was her greatest memory at Allen Fieldhouse. I wonder if a win on senior night against Oklahoma might top that potentially to really solidify KU's NCAA tournament potential uh, in this game against the Sooners. So that game, once again, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here on KLWN. We'll have coverage of the KU men's game at 12 o'clock, leading directly into coverage of the – and then post-game coverage of the KU men, leading directly into coverage of the KU women tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock tip against Oklahoma. All right, coming up, we'll get to some more Lance Leipold audio here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on the other side as he sat down with the media as well yesterday. We'll get to some of that. We'll get more from Leipold and Goff probably on a Monday show because I do want to get more into KU and Baylor coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Have uh, some KU game picks and more discussion of KU and Baylor, plus get a chance to hear from Bill Self. Also, uh, as he spoke with the media yesterday ahead of KU's matchup against Baylor. So that's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to some more Lance Leipold audio coming up on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Half past four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. We just heard from Travis Scoff a little bit from yesterday. Lance Leipold audio was coming up later on in this hour. More KU basketball, KU Baylor talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also going to hear from Bill Self as well. Also coming up tomorrow, the Kansas women's basketball team has their senior night coming up. Last game of the season for KU at home against Oklahoma Kansas, after starting the season a bit bumpy, they were sitting at one point at 10-10 and 10 overall. They go on a run here towards the end of January and through February, in which they have won now six of their last seven, or seven of their last eight, actually, uh, for KU to get to 17-11 and 11 overall on the year. They are 10-7 and seven in Big 12 play, and they will wrap up their season at Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow afternoon 
at 4 o'clock against Oklahoma. By the way, you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN. Pre-game coverage will start at 345 for a 4 o'clock tip for the KU women. Kansas went to Oklahoma and took on Nor- and took on the Sooners in Norman back towards the end of January, and that was the game for Kansas that kind of sent them down to 10-10. and They lose against Oklahoma by 5, 60-55 on the road. That was the kind of the break point for their season for KU as they got to 10-10. and They then ripped off five consecutive wins before losing to Baylor, but then they've gotten two more wins against Kansas State and UCF uh, here down the stretch towards the end of February. And now they have a chance to bookend their season with a win against Oklahoma that I think would more than likely secure their spot in the NCAA tournament on the women's side. When you look at the latest ESPN women's bracketology, Kansas right now is the first team on the last four in right now. So they would probably, so ESPN's bracketology is basically projecting KU to be in a play-in game in the NCAA tournament. If you win this game against Oklahoma, I think if you're Kansas, you will you wouldn't have to play in a play-in game. You would be uh, all the way in the NCAA tournament. And Oklahoma is number one in the Big 12 right now. They are in first place in the Big 12 standings. They're sitting at 15-2, and two, so they've actually locked up the Big 12 regular season title at 15-2. and two. Texas is in second at 13-4. and four. Then you've got a, a jumble of teams at 11-6. and six. Kansas is at 10-7. and seven. So a win here for Kansas could also move them up in the standings heading into the Big 12 tournament as well. And to me, this is a, a very important game for KU for the NCAA tournament, as I mentioned, but also it is senior night, and this is a team that has a number of seniors on it, a number of players on it that came back kind of specifically to sort of run it back after winning the WNIT last season. You think about Tyana Jackson. You think about Yvette Mayberry, Holly Kerskeeter, Zakiya Franklin. Like this is These are uh, seniors for KU that really returned to sort of bookend their careers with this run down this with this run this season to try to go for the NCAA tournament and go for a lot more. The expectations I think were certainly a lot higher for KU this season than what they've achieved so far, but they are still on the on the precipice of making the NCAA tournament. And I don't think this is a team that anybody wants to see in the NCAA tournament. When you think about Tyana Jackson and what she can do, and then you throw in Wyvet Mayberry and Holly Kerskeeter as veteran guards, plus Samaya Nichols, who's been a stalwart freshman for KU. And you go back to this game against Oklahoma that KU played back uh, in uh, January, on January 27th, Kansas went on the road and was really right there with the Sooners pretty much the whole game. KU actually had a one-point lead at the half. They led by as much as seven points uh, in the first half as well. And in the second half, it was a very much of a, of a grinded-out type game. And Kansas, and you know, Tyana Jackson ended up only scoring six points, but she had 14 rebounds in the game along with four blocks. It was a big game from Wyvette Mayberry, who had 21 points. And this was one of the games during that stretch where Holly Kerskeeter was maybe not quite 100% as she scored zero points and went 0 of 3 from 3. Kerskeeter seems to be in a much better position now for KU than she was then as she's fully healthy. And uh, she's coming off of an, a game against UCF where she did struggle from 3 and it was 0 of 5, but had, was good against Kansas State. So I think that's noteworthy. And when you look at this Oklahoma team, again, they've got the Big 12 regular season title wrapped up. So the the question may be, what exactly do they have to play for in terms of their NCAA tournament seeding? When you look at the bracket of the latest ESPN's bracketology, I believe they have, they have Oklahoma as a uh, three seed. They got them as a four seed actually right now. So uh, you know Oklahoma could be playing for possible NCAA tournament seeding, but they've got the Big Twelve locked up, and for Kansas, it's senior night. It's at Allen Fieldhouse. It's going to be an emotional night. You've got a lot of seniors on this roster that came back to run it back for this season, and hopefully they can get a big win because, again, I, I think a win here 
regardless of what happens in the Big 12 tournament, may situate Kansas to not only get into the tournament, but maybe even into where they not, they aren't necessarily playing in a first four type game for KU. So it's been a nice run for the Jayhawks here down the stretch, and they have a chance to cap it with a game against Oklahoma and a big win. And again, that game against Oklahoma on the road is kind of what really was a flashpoint of the season for KU when they dropped to 10-10 and 10 because at that point it was, okay, are you going to fold or are you going to fight back and go on a run? Kansas fought back, and they've gone on a run here. And a chance to get a big win at home against the Sooners uh, on tomorrow afternoon, which, again, you can hear that game right here on KLWN with a 4 o'clock tip. And I mentioned those seniors that KU was going to be honoring. And on top of that, you've got Samaya Nichols, who has been continues to be an outstanding freshman, and I think is, is, is already kind of positioning herself to potentially be somebody who – can be a real defining player for KU and KU history. Uh, so we're talking about uh, a lot there as well with Samaya Nichols. But KU has five seniors. I mentioned it's uh, Zakiya Franklin, Tyana Jackson, Holly Kersky, or Wyvette Mayberry, along with Ryan Cobbins, a transfer. And you think about those players. I mean, Tyana Jackson has been incredible for KU. Holly Kersky is the all-time record holder for three-point shots in Kansas history. Uh, Wyvette Mayberry and Zakiya Franklin have been two excellent players as well over the course of their careers for KU. And I'm sure they love nothing more than to kind of go out uh, at Allen Fieldhouse with a big win. And Holly Kerskeeter mentioned after the K-State game that that was her greatest memory at Allen Fieldhouse. I wonder if a win on senior night against Oklahoma might top that potentially to really solidify KU's NCAA tournament potential uh, in this game against the Sooners. So that game, once again, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here on KLWN. We'll have coverage of the KU men's game at 12 o'clock leading directly into coverage of the and then post-game coverage of the KU men leading directly into coverage of the KU women tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock tip against Oklahoma. All right, coming up, we'll get to some more Lance Leipold audio here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on the other side as he sat down with the media as well yesterday. We'll get to some of that. We'll get more from Leipold and Goff probably on a Monday show because I do want to get more into KU and Baylor coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Have uh, some KU game picks and more discussion of KU and Baylor, plus get a chance to hear from Bill Self also uh, as he spoke with the media yesterday ahead of KU's matchup against Baylor. So that's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to some more Lance Leipold audio coming up on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it here on the podcast side here on the Best of RCST podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. And, of course, if you do want to hear the full show, you can listen every day, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, for Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You are only daily KU-centric sports radio show that you'll find every day from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening to the Best of RCSD Podcasts presented by Massage Envy. You can also find us on KUSports.com as well. Be sure to check out the live show every day from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Thanks for listening.